Well, hey, welcome to the Will Preach for Food podcast. My name is Doug. I'm a pastor at Faith Lutheran Church in Shelton, Washington. We're a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can learn more about faith at our website, www.faithshelton.org. This podcast is being recorded for Sunday, April 23rd. We're continuing a series through Paul's letter to the Romans. Romans chapter 12. Here Paul begins to describe how God has designed Christian community to be like a single body with many members, body parts, each with a distinct function and purpose, but all belonging to and working together as one body. So today we're going to talk about spiritual gifts, body parts, and Christian vocation. Takeaways will include a time and talents form uh, for volunteering at faith, but also the larger call to share the gifts of God, to be the body of Christ out there, beyond the church walls, in the everyday matters of work and school, home, and neighborhood. We're going to start today with a story about how Jesus likes to show up among his followers post-resurrection on the road to Emmaus. Romans, uh, I'm sorry, the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter, beginning at the 13th verse. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked among them, walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stopped, stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Well, what things? Jesus asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it is the third day since all that took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Jesus said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? Here ends the reading. Sisters and brothers in Christ, grace to you, peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. That story is known as the story of the road to Emmaus. Two disciples, Mr. and Mrs. Cleopas, we call them, 
meet Jesus while they're out on the road. They're trying to make sense of the world, trying to make sense of what's happened over the weekend. They open up the scriptures, an old-fashioned Bible study, and the spark of faith is fanned into flame. They gather at the dinner table. The bread is broken. The blessing is spoken. Their eyes are open, and they recognize Jesus in their midst. This is still a model of the life of the follower of Jesus, of the, of the church. We live our lives with a newspaper in one hand. Well, now it's the news feed in our favorite app. But the newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other. We talk about what's going on in our world and what it all means. We open the Bible and we try to understand how it applies to our life. We open our hearts and homes to one another. We break bread together. We bless each other. And in those moments, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we see Jesus. Where two or more are gathered in my name, Jesus promises, I will be with them. But this is a sermon series on the book of Romans, so we better open our Bibles now to Romans chapter 12, beginning at the first verse. I'll read a couple verses of it, talk about it a little bit, and continue on through the chapter. But we turn to Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. Paul writes this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. In these first couple verses, Paul says that on account of because of God's mercy, on account of because of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. We are saved by grace through faith, apart from works of the law, Paul has taught us. So God's faithfulness, God's love, God's kindness, God's will is sufficient. There's nothing left for you or I to do. Nothing that we need to do to please God or help God or earn God's favor. Therefore, Paul says, do good works. <laughs> Offer your whole self in service to others, not because you have to, not because God needs you to, but because your neighbor needs you to. We were made for good works, created to do good, to be fruitful and multiply, to care for and tend God's creation, to love one another. So he continues in verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Now, as a preacher, I love Paul's alliteration here. Uh, he worked on this section uh, to make it flow off the tongue. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It was back in chapter 1 that Paul had said that our minds, that's the place that was in, our, in who we are that was given over to depravity. But that was done, he says in chapter 11, so that no one might boast, that God might show mercy to all of us. And so now here in chapter 12, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit can daily raise our minds up from the dead, out of the gutter, as it were. Don't be conformed to the world, he says, but be transformed. 
Specifically, he says, don't be high-minded, but be sober-minded. Depravity is marked by pride, arrogance, and boasting. Rather, he says, be sober-minded. Have the mind of Christ, Paul says elsewhere. These days, we might translate this as practice mindfulness. All of it's to say, don't think too highly of yourself, because after all, we're all in the same boat. The human condition is marked by sin, suffering, mortality, shame, and doubt. The only thing that is boast-worthy is the mercy and kindness of God. We're all in the same boat, or as Paul puts it, we're all in the same body. The human body has many members or parts. Each member has a unique place and function. The parts are all different, but they're there on purpose. Each member belongs to the body, and all the parts belong to each other. When one part of the body does well, the whole body benefits. When one part is weak or damaged or cut off, the whole body suffers. And it's the same way, Paul says, with Christ. Continuing in verse 6, he says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is one of Paul's lists of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He makes similar lists in several others of his letters. They're all a bit different, which suggests that these lists are not exhaustive, but exemplative. Here are seven gifts of the Spirit, seven expressions of the Holy Spirit, seven ways that God has wired you and me to do good works, to build up the body, bless the world, glorify God, and do the thing we were made for. The first one he lists is a little bit imposing. It's prophesying, prophecy. When we think about prophecy, often we think it's predicting the future, but really it's the ability to see things the way they really are and to discern what God's word is for us in this context and then to speak it publicly. That's what a prophet does. Now the rest of the list, the next six, are fairly self-explanatory. Serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, Showing mercy? These aren't rocket science, but they're all different, aren't they? And these are gifts that we share in the church, right? And in worship, we have prophets who read the lessons and share a faith moment. We have servers who set up microphones, hand out bulletins, and collect empty cups. Greeters welcome. Singers and musicians cheer us on and give us encouragement for the week. Teachers sit on the floor with children or consider faith in the arts over the centuries. Givers and leaders fund ministries and prioritize mission. We show mercy when we pray for one another and visit the sick and hand out Fred Meyer gas cards to persons experiencing homelessness. These are also gifts that we share the rest of the week at our day jobs, during class, in line at Starbucks, around the dinner table, We are the body of Christ in the world. We are God's hands and feet. (laughs) We're manure, right? (laughs) Spread out in God's field. We raise a stink if we're all in one place, but spread us out. We can do some good. We are blessed to be a blessing. 
enlightened to be light for the world, gifted to glorify God and serve our neighbors. It's what we're made for. So what does the body of Christ look like when all its parts are healthy and exercising their unique and beautiful gifts? Paul gives a description of our marching orders, beginning in verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. It's a pretty good vision, don't you think? Pretty good rule of life. And it's what we do, not because we have to, not because God needs us to, but because it was what we were made for and what we need from each other. Paul ends this chapter with a warning about righteous anger. This seems especially relevant in these days of social media, book banning, cancel culture, and shooting children who show up at the wrong address. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, Paul writes, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If she is thirsty, give her something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals on her head. So do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Evil isn't overcome by evil, but by the good. Even when we experience something hurtful, the Bible here invites us to step back and rather than escalate the conflict through attempts to get back at those people. Instead, we leave the whole settling the score thing to God, who is frankly much better at it than you or I ever could be. Now, sometimes things are bigger than that. We need ways to order society, protect the vulnerable, and govern the planet. But the church wasn't made for that. God made the government to do that. No, that's not me talking. That's Paul talking in Romans chapter 13. We'll leave that for next week. But for today, let me leave you with three takeaways. The first, I want you to take a look at that pink time and talents sheet in the, in the bulletin. I've included a link to the PDF in my podcast notes as well. But read through that list, the gifts and the tasks uh, that we have going on at church. And I encourage you to write your name on it. Check two or three boxes, not all of them, just two or three boxes maybe, and then turn it in during the offering later in the service. Or if you're at home, I didn't get it interactive, but you can still download it or scan it or email me with a couple of tasks that you're willing to undertake. Remember, the things that we do at church, it's rehearsal, not performance. We're practicing. We're exercising our gifts when we worship together and when we do life together. It's PT for the soul. There are fewer and fewer places to practice our gifts, to practice reading in public or leading a meeting. As the body of Christ, we need to allow 
all the members to exercise their gifts. Because second, God has given us these gifts to use to bless the world, not just each other. As followers of Jesus, we're not called to circle the wagons and create our own little subculture. That was the mistake of the Jews in Paul's day. No, it's about grace, not race. (laughs) We are called to be manure, to spread the word of God out there 24-7. So we practice here in order to better exercise God's gifts out there. And third, Jesus is alive and on the loose. So don't be surprised when you meet him as a stranger on the road or when you're studying the Bible with a small group or when you welcome someone into your home or when you share a meal, breaking bread as it were, talking and blessing and doing the dishes together in his name. That's when Jesus is most likely to show up. We're all on the Emmaus Road. Well, thanks for listening today. I hope this podcast uh, series is helping you fall more deeply in love with the God who created you, who loves you, and has a purpose for your life. To learn more about faith or about our ministries or our mission, go to our website, www.faithshelton.org. You can like us, subscribe, donate, sign up for our newsletter. You can listen to this podcast uh, on most podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple, and Google. I want to thank Chaz for his production work on this podcast every week. And all glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.